All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. Nice Monday morning, Tim. Monday afternoon now. Late start to it. Sometimes Mondays are just, you know, they, they really do set the tone for the week, Tim. And I and I really mean that. So it, it was not a good morning for the Scott household. Have a, Putting out fires. No. Not, actual not, fires? Not literal fires. Hypothetical fires. You know, sometimes having kids is great don't get me wrong but we we're having some issues so we're just having to parent you know it's difficult so i had to uh had to uh lay down the law a little bit go home and talk to some kids not fun but it has to be done i'm one of those parents who actually disciplines their kids and i try to correct them i don't try to be their best friend and just everything's fine you you never do anything wrong like we see a lot of parents do these days which ultimately will result in the downfall of our Western civilization and we'll have nobody to take over all the infrastructure in the United States and Canada as a whole. And it'll just be a train wreck. So I am trying to do the right thing and teach my kids lessons. Like you did something wrong, acknowledge it, correct it and move on. So anyways, we're dealing with one of them and she just keeps having this problem over and over again. It's just, it's brutal, but yeah. That was Monday so, morning. So when when Danielle calls for backup, when the situation gets like that, and your car pulls in the driveway, and you walk in the door, the kids know they know it, someone's in trouble, and it's not going to be good. Oh yeah, yeah, because you're you're taking time out of my day. That's <laughs> not good. Well, the, I think everybody knows that. Like if you, if you if it gets to that point where dad's coming home, it's like oh gosh. And usually uh, we we went a little easy this time. We tried a different direction. Or plan because usually I just come in guns guns blazing like oh it's going on yeah like this you know because I'm worked up too not we we tried a different uh, different plan of attack this time we'll see how it works but gosh hopefully my mom works. used to use that as a threat because she was a stay at home mom for first maybe eight nine years or something and she'd be like guys I'm gonna tell dad when he gets home I'm gonna tell him we're like oh. <laughs> please don't i used to barricade myself in my room because my mom would do the same thing she's like when your dad gets home you're gonna get it and i'm like oh no please don't and i'd hear her call him on the phone at work and he's like okay and he would go home like around six seven o'clock i would barricade myself in my room i would prop my back up against the door and i would put my feet against my dresser and it just happened to be a perfect distance apart and i would lock out my knees He'd be like, let me in. I'm like, no, no way. <laughs> no, you're not coming. He's like, you better let me in right now. I'm like, no, 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 not doing it. No way. And finally, like, I, I don't know if he would push the door in to where my knees would break or I would just give in and then I would just get, <laughs> get the belt, the wooden spoon, the hand. There comes a point where the hand just doesn't do it. So you got to up the game a little bit, but yeah, he just get, he get a licking. You're getting a licking. But yeah, it was terrifying. Tip. Terrifying. Mine was worse. He would tell me he was disappointed. And then I have to go to bed probably 30 minutes earlier. And it sucked. It was a mental fight. <laughs> yeah. No, I had it easy, I guess. Mine was a physical. American thing. 
it is. No, I, he would. It would be a SmackDown until I got to a certain age, and I was like, "You better, you better back up, old man. <laughs> Take a run at you." It never happened, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's difficult with girl with girls because it's like I'm not gonna like swat my girls. You know what I mean? It's just I do. Like, it's just there's a line. Whereas if it's a boy, you can really just like, it's the difference between boys and girls. I don't know. So we tried a different route this time. See if it works. We took away her allowance. We took away toys. We moved her bed around. We, yeah, there's, there was a number of things that this particular child will have to endure before she gets her privileges back. So that's it. That was, that was a morning morning. Anyway, not great. How was your weekend and morning, Tim? <laughs> Fine. Totally relaxed and focused at work. I'm energized. I'm ready. I'm I'm here, man. I'm here, man. You know who else is here? Gosh, we, we haven't talked about them in a while. The Buffalo Sabres. My former team. My favorite player in the NHL plays on this team. Tage Thompson. All six foot seven inches of him. Beautiful specimen of a human being. Owen Power. Is he Owen six foot eight? Six six. Six six, my goodness, Alex Tuck. How tall is he? Six, six five, six five. four. Yeah, this team built for success started out the year obviously hot, then right on just right on cue. As the Buffalo Sabres do every single year, they ripped off eight, nine losses in a row. And it was like, here we go. Same old Buffalo Sabres. They get your hopes up and then they just crush your dreams with a massive losing streak. Not the same Sabres like we knew, Tim, the last three, four, five years. They have rebounded. They've responded. All of a sudden, they've won eight in their last 10. They're inching closer to a playoff spot. They've jumped over some teams in their in their division. They got over Detroit. They leapfrogged Florida. They're just a stone's throw away from the Pittsburgh Penguins, who hold the final wildcard spot with 46 points. The Sabres got two games in hand. They're four points back. It would not be too far-fetched. To say at the end of January, the Sabres will hold the wild card spot the way the Penguins are playing, the way the Sabres are playing, the way everybody's trending. Yes, the Islanders are in between them. Sabres hold four games in hand on the Islanders, Tim. Why the drastic turnaround? I'm a Buffalo insider. I know what's going on in Buffalo. I know the reason for the turnaround. I want to know your opinion because I like to hear your opinion and laugh internally and then correct you. That's just how I am. Why are the Sabres all of a sudden playing well? Well, it's a lot of things. I mean, part of it's just this is an inexperienced group. A lot of young players, a lot of new faces, you know, guys that haven't played together for really that long. This is the pretty new core. And so you're going to have some streakiness with that. It just comes with the territory. So part of this, maybe it's a little exaggerated, you know, when they lose eight in a row and then win eight in a row. But that's part of it. And part of the reason why they're winning so much lately. Okay. Tage Thompson, he's got four hat tricks on the year, something like that. Like it's crazy. I actually watched uh Friday night, Buffalo, Minnesota game. Great, great game. Buffalo ended up winning in uh, uh, overtime or shootout. I forget, but it was just, they're so good. Tage Thompson just sets up. He's, he's as lethal as Ovechkin in, on that one timer now. And Darlene really stands out. The way he skates at the blue line is like Eric Carlson or Klingberg when they when they just dance on the blue line right in front of a guy, which is probably, I mean, even in my limited hockey experience, that's like a that's a stressful position. If you're at the blue line with a puck and the guy's right at you, that's about as 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 high risk as it gets. Um, but he's so confident, he's so good. He's actually on pace for a hundred points this year. Like, talk about a well-rounded game. A hundred points. I did the math this morning, it's like a hundred point two points. But there's another player. There's actually two that I want to talk about besides the obvious ones. First one is Jeff Skinner. We have not talked about him at all in in years, probably, except in negative ways for how laughing stock of the league. Yeah, is his contract. He's he's still making he's still overpaid. Uh, Well, based on this year, it might not be. He's totally bounced back. And I think part of it is like he was expected to be the guy when they brought him in. He was expected to be like, okay, you had a lot of success in Carolina. Come be the guy for our team, along with Jack Eichel. And he's just not. He's just not. And so he floundered. He didn't connect with Eichel, obviously. There's no chemistry there. They have all these rebuilds, three rebuilds in five years, something like that. 
And he's just, he's kind of suffered through that and his production floundered as well. And all of a sudden you bring in these guys and you add players and you draft well and you have all these elite talent. Guess what happened? Jeff Skinner starts playing well again. He's on pace for 41 goals, 94 points, which I don't have in front of me. Those would both be career highs, I think. I know he scored 40 before. Is he, is how, okay, before we talk about the second one, what are your thoughts on Jeff Skinner? Because we dumped a lot on him and now he's totally, I think he's proved some people wrong. Yeah, his career high to date is 63. He's hit 63 points four times. And one of those was last year. So he had 63 and 80 points last year. So this isn't completely out of nowhere. But when you're making the kind of money that Jeff Skinner is making, $9 million a year, you're expected to get more than 63 points. The Sabres signed him, yes, for his goal scoring because he was coming off 37, 28, 24. His first year in Buffalo, he played great. He got 40, which was a career high, which still is. But then he just, it just went south. He played terrible. He just was nowhere to be found. So you're expecting this guy to be a first line goal score, pesty water bug around the ice. And for whatever reason, the first, you know, three years after that 40 goal performance, he something went wrong. Maybe the Jack Eichel thing got to him. Maybe the the failure of the Sabres, he was expected to come in to really put them over the top. I don't know what the reason was, but whatever's happening now, it seems to be working. He's clicking really, really well with Tuck and Thompson. Those two guys are both physical players. They get in on the four check. And Jeff Skinner is able to find the open spaces. He's getting into spots where he can get the puck and give these two guys the puck to shoot the puck. Because Tage Thompson, he's a shooter. Alex Tuck, for as many assists as this guy gets, he's got a very, very good release. And Jeff Skinner's got a good release, too. All three of these guys are pretty well-balanced players. They're good at passing. They're good at scoring. They're good at just about everything. And it's nice to see Jeff Skinner have some success because he was just getting ripped on relentlessly year after year after year. And it's like, okay, I'm looking at his stats now. I forgot he put up 40 his first year with the Sabres. I forgot about that. I remembered where he got 7 and 53 and 14 and 59. And everybody's laughing at the Buffalo Sabres. Like, what are we doing? He had 33 goals last year. It's not bad. It's not a $9 million performance. I don't know. But now he's got a goal every other game. He's got 17 and 34, Tim. You say he's on pace for 40. This is this is a step in the right direction for the Buffalo Sabres. I like this. Who else is uh, surprising this year for the Sabres, Tim? Yeah, there's another guy, friend of the show, Dylan Cousins, the workhorse from Whitehorse. And it, it's kind of overlooked a little bit because of how strong Thompson and Darlene have been in the Sabres as a whole. But Dylan has had a really, really good season. I would call it a breakout season. Last year in 38 or 79 games, he had 13 goals, 25 assists, 38 points. Solid. It's the second year in the league. He's a young player. He's not an offense first guy. He contributes a lot, but he does a lot of stuff without the puck as well. This year, in 37 games, he's got 13 goals, 24 assists, 37 points. Point per game, basically matched, matched last year's production in half the games. He's on pace to more than double next last year's points. And he does, like I said, a lot of things without the puck. He's he's scrappy. He's physical. He's got a leadership. He's a guy that could be a captain. He's really, really good. And and I feel like, well, here's, a, here's another thing. He's on last year of his ELC. And there's a little bit of a, well, he's too young. There's not enough years to say he's he's playing above his average or anything yet. Because I think he's still really good. I think he could be a, a Ryan Getzlaff type. But what's his number? He's 20 years old. What? 21. How much, 21. How much do the, the Sabres, how much are they willing to give him? Well, this is a this is a tricky thing with the Buffalo Sabres now because your best player on this team is Tage Thompson, right? Yep. Kevin Adams just signed him to a, just a sweetheart deal. $50 million over seven years. At the time, Tage was coming off a very good season last year. Gave him a boatload of money. Now, all of a sudden, Tage Thompson is arguably one of the top five players in the NHL on pace for 68, just leading this team, an incredible player. Do you pay Dylan Cousins more than Tage Thompson? Do you, can, can you justifiably walk into that locker room if you're Kevin Adams and say, sorry, 
you, you made a mistake signing your contract when you did. The market has shifted. Dylan Cousins had a great year. We'll say he gets 82 points in 82 games. Dylan Cousins, on the other hand, says, listen, I'm a point per game guy. I'm a leader. I'm young. I know what you want to build your team around me. I'm a first round draft pick. Let's look at the comparables. Very similar to a guy in his division, Brady Kachuk. Same types of tools, physical. They fight sometimes. Brady's more tough. Dylan, maybe higher end talent, scores a little more. Same amount of points. Very similar players. Kachuk gets $8.2 million a year. What do you do? Did Kevin Adams put a, a cap? on how much he can spend for players for the Buffalo Sabres, because Tage is the best player. These guys were, well, Tage wasn't drafted by the Sabres, but he might as well have been. He was traded early in his career for Ryan O'Reilly. He's a Sabre through and through. Dylan was drafted by the Sabres. This isn't a situation like a Jeff Skinner where you, you trade and sign. Is that is this a cap now on what players can sign for the Buffalo Sabres? Do you think that will happen? Or... Does Dylan Cousins, because he is worth $8 million a year, if he continues playing this way, he's only 21 years old. He is getting better. You can tell by his stats. You can tell by his just how comfortable he is on the ice. Last minute of the game, you're up by one. Dylan Cousins is taking that face off. Last minute of the game, you need a goal? Probably on the ice. The guy's a very good hockey player. He's worth eight. He's worth eight and a half. The contracts we're seeing now for kids his age. That's the going rate. Tage should have held out. If he's signing a contract now, if I'm Tage Thompson, am I negotiating with Kevin Adams? That number starts with a 10, if not more. He's getting 10, 11, 12 million dollars per, don't you think? He would. He would. And now he's stuck with 7.14. So what is what does Coven's cousins get? And is that 7.14 the cap now? No, it can't be. It can't be because also look at Jeff Skinner would not. And so it's it's complicated. But if if I'm if I'm Cousins agent, I'm looking at comparables all around the league like you just did with Brady. And those are those are the metrics I'm holding him to, not Tage Thompson. And maybe Cousins based on our, our one interview with him, he seemed like the kind of guy who might take a little bit less than market value to help his team and build something because I feel like he's they could work towards something special here. And I want to talk about more, more about that in a minute, but if he's worth eight, couldn't you see him taking seven? Would uh, seven by seven? A young guy, probably not as selfish as he should be. Yeah. Probably. Cause this is life changing money. He shouldn't. Yeah. I don't think anybody should take a team discount. I think you should sign for as much as you can. Every single contract, because you never know when it's going to end. But, you know, he's making 890000 right now, seven, eight million dollars. I don't think that translates to kids where there's like, it's the same. It's an insane amount of money either way. So I, I could see that. I, I could see Kevin Adams talking into it, be like, listen, take seven for seven years. It will allow us to sign a two million dollar player. It'll allow us to go out and get some help on the back end. It'll allow us to get some depth forwards. This will help us win a Stanley Cup. Kevin Adams did it. He's done it before. He did it with Tage Thompson for Pete's sake. He did it with defenseman uh, Matthias Samuelson, who was another underrated player that the Sabres have. Maybe not underrated anymore because whenever he plays, he seems to be, you know, make very smart defensive plays. He offsets Rosmus Dahlin very, very nicely. It, it gives him the luxury of just going and getting up in the rush. It reminds me of back when I was in Chicago, we had Brian Campbell and Nicholas Chalmerson. Soupy was allowed to do whatever he wanted because he knew Hammer was back to back him up and just make up for a lot of his mistakes that were due to him just being aggressive. And that's okay. So Matias Samuelson right now, he's making 925. Next year, he makes 4.2. It's a great contract. Another seven-year contract signed by Kevin Adams. But back to Dylan Cousins. Gosh, I don't know. I could see him, yeah, doing a Caner Taves where he signs the identical contract just to be a team guy. I could see him going for eight, though. He's worth eight. Tage is worth 11, 11 and a half. That's just where the market is. He's going to score 68 goals potentially for this year, Tage Thompson. And there's no signs of him slowing down. What a problem the Sabres have. Who would have guessed this time last year that we're talking about handing out eight 
ten million dollar contracts to these guys. It's wild. It, they they have really progressed very very nicely. Don Granado should be up for the Clancy Award. He's a great coach. He he really has worked with this team. I love that Kevin Adams didn't panic and fire him because that's usually the go to with the Buffalo Sabers. Their owners get really antsy. And they're just quick to fire everybody. We need to rebuild. It's like, give these guys a chance to build a repertoire with the players, get their system instilled, and then we'll see how we go. And I like where the Sabres are at. They're good. They're young. They're exciting. They need some help. They're in the playoff hunt. They have not been in this position very often in the last decade. Last question on the Sabres. What do they do now? You're in the mix. You're at the table. Do you mortgage some future? Do you trade some draft picks to go out and maybe get somebody to play with Owen Power? Do you go out to add to the depth at the forward lines? Because right now, like your second line is good. Your third line is good. You have some decent depth. You're not scaring anybody once that first line steps off the ice. Cousins has been good. Is he scaring you? I don't think so. Do you go out? and shoot for the moon and try to get a Jacob Chitron. Do you go out and, and kick the tires on a Tarasenko or an O'Reilly or a Meyer from San Jose or one of these high-end guys that are, are floating around out there? What do you think they should do, Tim, and what will they do? Uh, no, they shouldn't They shouldn't make any crazy moves at the deadline because I think you, you're not going to beat Carolina or Boston or Toronto or Tampa in the playoffs if you match up against any of those teams. And so – I think ideally you want to make the playoffs and get these guys some postseason experience, especially those younger kids. Uh, and it would be great. That'd be so, that'd be like much watch hockey. But you don't sacrifice anything for the future, especially considering how deep this upcoming year's draft is. Even though they're going to be in the middle of the pack at best, if not in the bottom third, I uh, I don't think you've met mortgage anything for the future. Uh, you just keep developing. You keep working toward being a serious contender. Because I'm looking at their stats, and as I was doing it this morning, they have five players right now who are at a point-per-game pace or above. There are four players who are scoring higher than Dylan Cousins, believe it or not. And so I look, I think of that, and I'm like, okay, well, why aren't they a better team? And part of it's streakiness. We talked about that. Part of it's the defense. And I don't just mean how skilled the defensemen are, but on the defensive end of the puck, of the ice, I mean. And then part of it's goalie. Craig Anderson has been solid. He's definitely not a problem, but he's not going to win you a series anymore. And and his 2.6, I think, is his goals against average, 920 save percentage. Like those are NHL numbers, but that's not like they're still missing their franchise goalie, not to mention his age. They're still missing their guy. And when when that comes, this is going to be a pretty special team. I think they've leapfrogged the Red, Red Wings by now. I think they've leapfrogged obviously Ottawa. They are the team, they're the next team in this league. They need a goalie, and I don't think you mortgage anything to do that. I don't see – are there any goalies available at the market right now anyway? I don't well, know. Well, that's the thing, that they have a boatload in salary cap available. They have they have $17 million to spend, which is such a luxury. Most teams don't have anything. I think half the league have zero. So do you go out and trade for a Varlamov? Do you kick the tires on a Cam Talbot from Ottawa? Do you just go and try to – poach one of these goalies off these teams that maybe they don't you know who are in salary cap trouble and you can go out and help them out and maybe i think you do make a trade at the deadline i think you do reward these kids for playing above their you know where they should be they're playing great why not you have the luxury of having that much salary cap available people at the deadline are going to covet that salary cap space maybe take advantage of it Maybe dip into your piggy bank a little bit and make a move. There are players out there that are attainable who will, you know, not don't get anybody with a lot of term on their contract, but just kick the tires on a few people who maybe otherwise you wouldn't. I don't know. There's a lot of guys, Tim, out there. And I, I think you go out and you reward somebody. Why not go out and kick the tires on a Johnny Taves or a Patty Kane? Go and bring him in for one year. Who cares? How fun. You, you wouldn't have to give up too much. Maybe, maybe those guys would cost too much. That, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that, that's too much. I changed my mind because you don't want to give up any draft picks, right? That That's the thing. Maybe go out and get a Jacob Chitron. Imagine that. Go and get this guy. And they've been rumored to be uh, in on the sweepstakes for him. To have those four defensemen, Power, Samuelson, Darlene, and Chitron. Those four guys for the next six, seven years. 
not bad. I wouldn't mind that if I'm a coach and I can roll those guys out. That would be a nice, formidable top four. And how do you win Stanley Cups? Down the middle and the back end. And I tell you what, they would have the best defensive core in the league for years if they got him. You'd have to give up a little bit. Give up a first rounder, a prospect, and maybe another defenseman on your roster right now. That I would really entertain. I think that would be a good trade for them. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. And he also takes a lot of pressure off both him and Darlene, where they can each, you know, run their own power play unit. They can work on separate lines and carry a lot of offense. I think Chitrin's problem, well, they're both so good. They're both so good. Darlene's definitely the, the more offensively skilled guy of the two. Yeah. I mean, Chitrin's going to make any team better. I, it's just exciting. However this plays out, I think you said you're right. Kevin Adams has, has done this really, really well. This is a laughingstock team less than two years ago. And now they are like everyone's, you know, pet project, like everyone's little brother. Everyone's rooting for them. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a feel good story. I hope they break that streak. I don't know how many years it's been since they made the playoffs, but I know it's the longest active streak. It's something embarrassing. So I'm happy for the Sabres. Yeah, go and grab a goalie. Go and kick the tires on a high end guy. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? You never know. Anything's possible. Moving on. Speaking of anything's possible. Washington Capitals. I'm, I, I, I tell you what. We haven't talked about this team because every time we do, oh, Vetchkin is scoring goals. He's going to get a million goals. He's going to set new records. He's gonna, they're going to change the name of the NHL to him. It's going to be the Alex Ovechkin League all of a sudden. They're winning, Tim. <laughs> they're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. They're third in the Metro. They're making some moves. Now, is this a case of them being very good? I think it is. I hate to say it. They look very, very good. They have been winning. And they've been doing it in an unconventional Washington Capitals style. They have good goaltending. Ovi obviously has scored because he always scores. They didn't have two of their best players. Oshie's been out. All these guys are starting to get healthy. All these guys are starting to come back. Is this a Stanley Cup contending team? I, I, I almost barfed saying it. Are the Capitals right now a threat to win the cup, Tim. How crazy is is this that I'm even saying that halfway through the season? Threat to win the cup, I don't know about that. But there are some things that you have to be really excited about. Because not too long ago, they were out of the playoff picture. And now, like you said, they've won a bunch of games in a row. And by the way, they did it without some of their best players. Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, both arguably top-line players, but certainly in their top six have made their season debuts over the weekend. Neither of them played a game. We'll talk about Backstrom's return and and what he went through. Both of them, huge impact players, not just on the ice, but in the dressing room. Like those are big, you know, character guys for that team. They've been part of the core for a long time and they've done it without those guys. And not to mention TJ Oshie missed like 15, 16 games, something like that. How do they do it? Obviously Ovechkin has never stopped slowing down. He never slowed down, never stopped scoring on pace for 50 to 60 goals again. Kuznetsov looks like his own his old self. He's an assist machine, 36 points in 42 games. Ryan Strom, Connor Sheary, Anthony Manta, all really good secondary scoring players. The depth has been there. And I looking through their stats this morning, I was kind of surprised just like how well they played and how, how much more I liked their team than I thought I would. And then this is kid Eric Gustafson. I call him a kid. He's late 20s now. But I uh I was looking at him, I tweeted about him last week. He has been running the power play since John Carlson went down. And he's got, I forget how many points he has in the year, but he's got 15 points in his last 11 games. He's probably one of the top hottest defensemen in the NHL right now. And when you're an offense first team like the Capitals are, and you've got an offense, really offense only defenseman, would you say? He's, this is the guy that wasn't he, was he the guy on the, uh, on the Canadians two years ago that, Played like seven minutes a game and four minutes on the power play. Like it was crazy. So, well, they got him right before the playoffs. Yeah, he was going to be their player. Yeah. He, he's bounced around for, for whatever reason. He hasn't been able to stick because he is an offensive juggernaut when he's on the ice. He's got almost a point every other game. He went from Chicago to Calgary to Philly to Montreal back to Chicago. Now he's settled down in Washington, but he's been playing good. He's 30 years old. So he's not a kid, Tim, but he's, yeah. he, he's playing well in absence of John Carlson, filling his shoes nicely. They're, I, I don't like this team, but I, <laughs> but I think they're better than we're, we've given them credit for. They're really they're, – I think they're going to be good. And then they, you add the X factor, which is that playoff experience. This is large and, largely the same team minus the goaltenders that won the Cup in uh, 2018. So they who knows what they're capable of? They're a good team. 
They are. And what I think what sets them apart right now, obviously Ovechkin. We all know what he brings to the table. Backstrom coming back from that injury is insane. First of all, most guys who get that injury, their career is over and they can barely walk the rest of their lives. That's insane that he's coming back. Their their depth is pretty impressive. Their third line, their fourth line, very good. You got Milano. He was a good pickup this offseason. You got Eller and Oshie. As much as I dislike Eller, he's a good player. He's responsible. Very, very good hands. He can kind of play up and down the lineup. I know it's a it, that gets said a lot, but Lars Eller can. Like, he can play all over the lineup. And then the, the fourth line is a perfect fourth line. You got some toughness in Hathaway, Nick Dowd, and Marcus Johansson, who's a skilled guy who's kind of worked himself back into the NHL. And he's a serviceable fourth line guy. He's not a liability out there. I like, I hate saying this. I like this team. I, I, I do. I, their back end scares me a little bit. When John Carlson comes back, maybe he, you know, solidifies that a little bit. Nick Jensen, he's a good defenseman. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, he's a good defenseman. They're all just solid defensemen. And then you have the reigning Stanley Cup champion goaltender, Darcy Kemper, behind everybody. And he's playing pretty stinking good, Tim. I don't know. I don't think they'll be dangerous in the playoffs. I, I don't think you have to worry about them. Would I want to play them in the playoffs for seven games? Probably not. Okay. First round matchup, Devils versus Capitals. Who would you take? Capitals. I think I would too. Yeah. I just, as as good as the Devils have been, they've been struggling lately. Caps are one point behind them. Did the Devils peak too soon? Did everybody figure out their offensive system? And now everybody's on to their little plan. Didn't Keith Yandel say it on the NHL network where he's like, this team will not make the playoffs. And everybody crucified him. He said, what are you talking about? Don't look now. They are dangerously close to being out of the playoffs. If they have another bad week, they will be out of the playoffs altogether. The same. Stranger things have happened. This Eastern Conference is stacked. You cannot go on the streaks like you can go on in the Western Conference. You can't. You have to be consistent and you have to just be good all the time. Or else you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. And I know the Sabres went on the streak. They're still not in the playoffs. So it's, gosh. Good for the Capitals. I'm I'm honestly happy for them. It's nice to have Nicholas Backstrom back. It's nice to have Tom Wilson back. Where's Anthony Mantha? Has he been playing? Uh, I don't know if he's hurt right now, but he's been he's been in the lineup. Yeah. No, right, good for them. I I do take this team seriously, Tim. <laughs> good. I was picturing like you not just like okay, I don't care. They're not going to be. Who would you rather play? Uh, who do you think is going to be more dangerous in the playoffs? The Penguins or the Capitals? If they if they both made it, I don't think both will make it, but I think the Capitals. I think yeah. they look more dangerous, at the, but it's still early. We're just midway through the season. I, gosh, I would take both of those teams over the Devils. But, but in the end, there's really only four teams that I think can come out of the East at this point. It's Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Carolina. Those are the those are the four that I think can come out. Rangers, maybe. I, I think they need. They need to work on some things. They got to trade Lafreniere. They have to. I've been I've been his biggest fan for years now. I've been humping Lafreniere and Kako train. I, I want them to be good. I've said they're the keys to their season every single year. And they've let me down every single year. They show signs of flashes of just brilliance. And then they just disappear. For months at a time. Lafreniere, he's got 18 points in 40 games. Kako's got 18 and 41. It's not good enough. It is not good enough for a first overall and a second overall pick to have that many points and to take up space in the first and second line. Like you can't be riding shotgun to Zabinadad Kreider and Panarin and Trochik. Gotta produce, you guys. You gotta produce. And it's just not happening. So they if they figure out a way just to trade, I don't. Gosh, you've invested so much in them. I just go back and forth in my head all the time when I talk about these guys and think about them. It's like, we've invested in them. We've just been working with them for years, and they show these flashes of brilliance, and you you can see it. And then it just goes away. And do you want to give up on that, or do you see that guy just succeed somewhere else? It's, it's such a difficult thing to do. But yes, I think they have to pull the plug on one of those experiments. 
If you're going to trade one of them, who are you going to trade, Tim? Kako, who has shown he's a little bit better defensively, is his all-around game is better than Lafreniere's, or Lafreniere, who maybe has a higher offensive upside than Kako? Yeah, I think I would keep Lafreniere and trade, trade Kako. I think Kako's probably the better player right now. He's actually been pretty solid the last month or so, but Lafreniere ha- does have that upside. He's, th- he's got that first overall pedigree, and he's a year younger. I think, I, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't, I'm not really strong in either of these guys living up to their reputation. So the Rangers are another team that they're an enigma. I don't understand because on paper, they're so good and nothing's changed really since last year that I can think of. And they were like, we thought they'd be like, you know, cup contenders every year now moving forward. We thought they had arrived and here they are this year taking a step backwards. Yeah. They went on and got Vincent Trochik. He was supposed to be a big piece for them. It just hasn't. It hasn't translated to wins on the ice. I don't know why, but I'm not selling them just yet. I do think they have one more push in the world. They will be there at the end of the day. They will make the playoffs. They will be, they will be a team that you have to worry about. I think they get rid of Lafreniere. I would trade him over Kako. I I would keep Kako Kako for, for a while. I think he's going to be a good one. Lafreniere, I just don't know. I don't, I don't trust him. Maybe because he's French. Another team, Tim. Your Boston Bruins went to the West Coast. It was almost like they went on vacation. You go, you go to the West Coast, you play the California teams, you play Vancouver. You know you're winning every game, right? You know you're going to come out of there with just, if you play four games, you're getting at least seven points. Maybe you go out and tie one on and you, you lose in overtime. Did they have themselves a, a West Coast road trip, Tim? How fun did they, how much fun did they have? Uh, a lot of fun. They played three teams. They played the LA Kings, San, uh, San Jose Sharks, and Anaheim Ducks. You mentioned going on vacation. It's also like they were right at home because they had fans in every single building. When Pasta had a hat trick last night against the Ducks, he's getting a standing ovation. He's getting half thrown in the ice. The Yankees chant, Yankees suck chant started in the arena. It's just like the Boston fans travel well. It's almost, I started getting nervous this morning because it's almost things are too good. Like every player is playing at or above what you expected him to be at. Everyone has been pretty much healthy. Some guys are blowing you out of the water, like Almark, like Pasternak. Guys who have been struggling for years, like a DeBrus, like a Felino, like a Trent Frederick, are suddenly blossoming into like unreal players. It seems like someone's going to wake us up. And and if there's one, maybe maybe a little skid mark is that Swayman's taking a little bit of a step back. But Allmark's played so well that no one's even talking about it. And he's actually played better, as Ace Swayman has, as the season has progressed. So, yeah, some really special things are happening. The 32-4-4, and which is just unreal. Pasanak has seven goals in his last three games. The number for him keeps going up. Every time he scores, Twitter just like, yeah, pay the man, pay the man. The number's going up. I don't know why they haven't. I, I saw Buchikov treated last night. He's like, I, I bet they were trying to go with the – uh, the Johnny Gaudreau number where it's like nine something. And now he's probably 10 something. I don't even know if he'd take 11 now because of the, yeah. the way that he's playing. Like if you're pasta, you probably think you're worth more than 11 now. So I don't know what they do there. And then Brad Marchand, who has, he missed like almost the first entire month of the season. He's second on the team with points, 37. He's been on a tear. Montgomery called him the best player since they got back from the Christmas break. It's hard to imagine anyone beating these guys. If I'm pasta, I don't sign a contract. I just say, you know what? Distraction. We'll deal with it in the off season. That, that's what I think he should do. Because this stuff is going back and forth. It must be frustrating for him having to deal with answering these questions all the time and seeing it on Twitter and seeing it everywhere, having Don Sweeney comment on it. Uh, they must be far apart. They have to be. This is a no-brainer. He wants to stay, apparently. This should be... This should be Done deal. Give him $11 million and just be done with it. Eight years. I don't know what the issue is. They're, they're, they must be trying to lowball him. There's something that we don't know. And if I'm pasta, I said, okay, fine. You, you want to play games? I'm not going to talk to you till the season's over. And I'll make you sweat. And we'll see where we're at come June. You want to do this, Don? Fine. I'm going to go out. I'm going to put 60 goals on the board. We're going to win the Stanley Cup. And then you're going to have to pay me $12 million a year. Or I walk and I'll get 12 somewhere else. That's what I would do. Why, why, why play these games? I'm 26 years old. 
I've been on a team-friendly deal now for how many years? I am just the ideal forward to have for your, your franchise. People love me. I play perfectly with Marshawn and Bergeron, who, by the way, are signed. You're going to re-up Bergeron for three more years, probably. Like, why not? Like, we just give him the money. What do you sign Bergeron for, by the way? Okay, when he makes 2.5 this year, he's going to be a UFA. Do you think he's going to want another just cheap deal and help the team out? Yes. No one's talking about him. Do you think he will? Yes. Yes. He makes $2.5 million a year, Tim. Yeah, you think he's going to want more next year at 39? He'll be 38, but yeah, 38. maybe. So Why not? Boy. Well, this is part of the 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 why for, for Pasta. Why hasn't he signed yet? And this is the only thing I can think of. Not I have no inside knowledge, but I was reading a little bit about, I think on Daily Faceoff, and maybe one of the reasons that he hasn't signed yet is that he doesn't, the future of the franchise is still unclear. This still kind of feels like a last dance. This feels like it's a, one last go around to see what these guys can do with the Bergerons and Krejci's, if nothing else. You still got, you're still going to have a good team, but you won't have nearly the team you have when those two are gone. You don't know what Marshawn, does he wants to stick around when he's, you know, 34, 35. What is Pasta signing on to? He signed an eight year deal. What are they going to be doing in three years? You know what I mean? And so I think the article I read, I think it was Frank that wrote it, said maybe you, you make a move at the deadline, even one that you don't really need, like a Bo Horvat who makes him better, but they're already are very good. You bring him in. He's a short-term help for this year. You sign him to a long-term deal and that incentivizes Pasta to stay because now he knows they're going to be competitive and they're committed to winning through the length of that contract. Because right now it's a fair question mark. And to his, if that's what is his concern is, I think he's legit to be concerned about that. Yeah, I agree. I think what it has helped this is the emergence of DeBrusque. He's been playing yeah. great. Taylor Hall is having a great season. Charlie Coyle is playing good. They do have some pieces. Pavel Zaka has played okay, you know. So it's not like the cupboards are completely bare if Bergeron leaves and Marshawn for whatever reason. He Marshawn's gonna come back. Okay, he'll be he'll be there for another five years. But you know, I, I don't think it's as dire as people are making it out to be, where oh if pasta stays, there's gonna be no one to play with for years and years and years. There'll be there'll be some talent there. I, I think the Bruins will be fine, but my gosh, just well, get it done. I know, but they only have three forwards who are committed to more than beyond next year. I'm looking at their cap friendly now, they have eight, nine expiring contracts, plus AJ Greer. He's got two more years basically making league men. You have Coyle, Hall, Marchand. Three years, three years, four years, and then nothing. You don't know what Felino's going to be. He'll come back. I, don't, I think he'll make less money. Pavel Zaka, I hope they bring him back. <sighs> Craig Smith will be gone. Yeah, no stick will be gone. And so it's just, I, I don't know. You just don't know. Their defense is locked up, which is good. And they'll be a good team, but it's, I don't know. It does make me a little nervous. Nah, I think it'll be well, fine. Like, like so you much said, more important. you got their top 4D. You can, you can line those guys up against anybody. You got Carlo Lindholm, McAvoy, Grizzly. They'll be fine. They got a good defense. You got good goaltenders. I think you'll be fine if you're the Bruins. I don't mind where they're at, even though they're only returning four forwards next year. I think they'll I think they'll do okay. You gotta get pasta wrapped up. That that would be priority one, two, and three, like right now. I don't know why it's taking this long. If I'm pasta, I'm just annoyed and pissed by it. Speaking of negotiations, you you kind of talked a little bit about yours different contracts over the years and you were a free agent and and most of the time. You basically said, I didn't know if I was going to get one, so I always took it. Did you ever make a counteroffer? You and Hank, did you ever try oh, to yeah. ask for more money? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, there was a few years where I was coveted. And by coveted, I mean I had multiple teams, two, three, four <laughs> teams, yeah. two, three, four teams vying for my services. And yeah, you would go back and you would leverage other contracts that you'd received. And like I, I remember when I signed with Chicago, I had a deal on the table with the Oilers, and I was about to sign it. And I said, hey, we're getting this from Edmonton. Can you guys come up a little bit? And they came up to 800, some, eight, I can't remember what it was, but they came up. I think they came in at League Men, which was 685 or six, whatever. I was like, I got Edmonton right now for 900 per, for two or three years. And Chicago was like, we could do eight. Would you, would you do eight? And I think we did the same thing with the Oilers or with the Sabres, excuse me, where the Oilers wanted to sign me again. Oilers really wanted me. They really, really- they really did. No, that was um, Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish and that that whole crew. 
every time I was a free agent, they always came hard. One of the first teams to call and just offered me multi-year deals. And I just never wanted to play there. I, more so my wife didn't want to play there. Yeah. And then also it's like, again, and I, my wife just drove by. It's funny, but it, it's, it's the Canada. It's the relatives. It's West the Coast. everything that goes along with it. And I was like, I don't want to deal with it. And I'd much rather go somewhere else. So I never, I played in Montreal, not by choice, but yeah, it was a good choice. But yeah, so teams, you, it, it's nice. You leverage your contracts. Cause I know if pasta does go to free agency, you'll have six, seven, eight teams that'll be knocking on his door. Buffalo Sabres will. Absolutely. Imagine putting him in the first line of the Buffalo Sabres, bumping down oh. on Alex Tuck. It would be a great fit. It would be a really great fit for him to go to Buffalo. Imagine playing with Tage oh. Thompson. Maybe uh, I'd be interested in that. One of the before we move on, just one more thing. But one of the things that makes the Boston fans so nervous about the Pasanak situation, I know it's a different ownership group, but the Red Sox let Mookie Betts go. Young player at the peak of his game, still at the peak of his game, and they let him go for close to nothing. And then they let Xander Bogarts go. Two of their franchise players, two of the best players to ever wear that uniform. They let him go, you know, pretty much in their prime. And this could happen again. So we're a little bit nervous that bad things are going to start happening to us. But I'm just saying you let Tory Crew go in his prime and it looks okay. Okay. No, not the same thing. Why? Tory Krug. Tory Krug. Good yeah, player. I, I didn't want him to go, but we're talking about a 60 goal score here. The guy was beloved in Boston, Tory Crew. He, was. he, was, he, he was. was instrumental in their success for many, many years. Now you're yep. downplaying his importance. People in no, Boston were calling him for Pasternak. But people were calling for Neely's head when he let him go. Well, yeah, part of that because it's him and Chara that same summer. Um, yeah, so I'm just saying it is similar. Krug was a superstar. And they decided not to re-up them. You guys, you guys, it's amazing. Just superstar amnesia all of a sudden. It's different. Yeah. He's a superstar. He was. No, he wasn't. He was never a superstar. What Tory do you Krug. mean, never a superstar? I mean, I guess it's just a broad term. How do you define it? But no, he's no. We're talking about David Pasternak here. There's, there's no. Well, you brought up Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts completely is, different sport. Yeah, but probably better at baseball than pasta is at hockey. Like Mookie Betts is top five in the in the MLB all around player. I'm just saying this is <laughs> Tory Krug is not okay. All right, Krug fine. was almost getting a point per game. He no, he, he got fifty and sixty one. He got fifty three and sixty four. Fifty nine and seventy six. He was a superstar defenseman playing twenty five twenty six minutes a game. You're you're crazy. Yeah, I think it's very similar. So uh, I'm trying to defend the Bruins right here and saying they seem to do the right thing with Tory Kruger. And like, nah, that guy sucks. Not a superstar. Your, your point was like, okay, we can let Pasta not go, and then like we'll be in two years. We'll be like, okay, that was the right move. Yeah, maybe. I'm just saying, trust yeah. trust your your leaders. I don't. But you're not, I don't trust them. No one does. Unbelievable. Wow. Just unbelievable. All right. Speaking of unbelievable, Connor Bedard, fresh up world junior championships, gold MVP of the tournament, solidifying himself as the first overall pick in this year's upcoming draft. Went back to juniors today to play with the plebs. First game, four goals, two assists, 13 shots on net, making it look easy. He's unbelievable. He, he, he missed a month, Tim, to go to this tournament. Because the OHL, the WHL, the Q, they don't stop playing when the World Juniors is going on. They continue to play. So you would figure his points leading pace, he's in first place. Someone would catch him because he's losing 10 to 12 games. Now, he's still up by eight points. He missed a month. The guy's unbelievable. I, I watched some of the highlights. I didn't watch the game. I, my Regina Patch channel didn't come in clear last night. So I didn't get a chance to watch his game, but gosh, his goals, short side shelf, breakaway, breakaway, backdoor tap in. The kid's incredible. He honestly is. I don't know. What else can we say about him? I was watching highlights of him this morning just because I, he's amazing. It's like, (laughs) 
at first, and I, 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 I mean, I knew what I was watching, but it still felt like I was watching like him against men's league players or something. Cause they were like almost standing still watching him just dance around doing whatever he wanted at will. It didn't look like they were, he's playing in like the highest talent league that he could be just cause he was so far above them. And yeah, it was, it's crazy. And this is, we, I mean, it's going to be so fascinating to see how the trade deadline goes, what the tank efforts look like to get this guy, because you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of talent. This is a really good draft, but Connor McDard is going to change your franchise overnight. And I want to see how that plays out. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see who gets him. He is the guy. In similar news, Shane Wright traded from his OHL team to the London Knights. Prospect, six draft picks trade. Everybody knew this was going to happen. This was the worst hidden secret ever. He got sent down from the Seattle Kraken, allowed to play in the World Juniors. He said he wasn't. Well, I don't know if he said he wasn't going back to Kingston, but Everybody knew he wasn't going back to Kingston. I don't know the backstory there, but anyways, Kingston trades him to London. Good for him. He'll finish off the year with the London Knights, probably win a Mem Cup, and hopefully come back stronger next year. Maybe a little better effort for the Seattle Crack. But yeah, I think this is a good thing for Shane Wright. At the end of the day, he will just be able to go and play hockey, not be uh, worried about all the pressure that comes along with not being the number one overall pick and this and that and whatever. All right, Tim, anything else we're touching on? Real quick, yes or no question. The Avalanche, January 9th, are still not in a playoff spot. Are you worried, yes or no? No. Not either. No. Two more, yeah, one more month. If, 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 if it's February 9th, I'm a little worried. But right now, the West is wide open. I tell you what, Vander Kane's going back. Colorado, they're going to get a little healthier. The West will get good. I envision Edmonton. Getting back into the playoffs, I envision Colorado ascending the standings right now. So the standings now will not look this way in three weeks. I think Calgary and Edmonton are going to make a move. They have to. They have to make a move. Seattle will drop. L.A. will drop. I think Winnipeg's going to stay there, but Edmonton and Calgary are going to make a move. And Evander Kane's going to be the catalyst for that for Edmonton. I, I truly... I tr- did you see... Gosh, Darnell Nurse just got burned by McKinnon this week. Yeah, practice. You, yeah, no, no, no. In the game, oh, uh, McDavid did that at practice. Um, oh, to Tyson Berry, that's a stupid yeah. drill. And then, yeah, he was. Gosh, he's faster on those corners. It's just unbelievable. He just glides on, like he j- doesn't even touch the ice. Like he just uh, jumping on hot coals. His feet move so fast. It's amazing. But yeah, Vander's coming back. Just keep your eye on Edmonton. I know we've been dumping on him, giving him a hard time. I think they're going to start to turn around. I I think they are. I might regret saying that. All right. Anything else, Tim? That's it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. I hope you guys had a good weekend and enjoyed the episode. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 